Good to meet you, man. Yeah, same, man. Happy to uh, be here. Excellent. So let's just jump right into it. I have never um, interviewed a mindset specific coach, right? I've, I've talked to MMA coaches. I've had several of the, the, you know, kind of bigger name MMA coaches, UFC coaches on my podcast, but um, for people that don't know you, let's introduce you. Mindset Mike, yep. uh, formerly worked for the FBI and now you're a mental coach. I'll let you take over right. from here and kind of give you the, give the overall picture. Sure. So uh, first of all, thank you again for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I, I've enjoyed uh, flipping through your uh, flipping through some of the episodes, and then you know also uh, of course enjoy your commentary. It's nice to finally put a face. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. <laughs> a face to you. So long story short, uh, I was a wrestler my whole life. Uh, I graduated um, wrestling at a t- uh, top ten school in the country, uh, Division one level for wrestling. Um, I knew that I wanted to be in the FBI, and that's why I went to school. Where I went to school. That's why I studied what I wanted to study. And at 21, 22 years old, I got the opportunity to interview and I got the job. So uh, I did what I started in the bureau. I, I started with, uh, you know, doing national security level surveillance and, you know, some following around bad guys. I did a whole bunch of other things, um, some of which are hanging up on my wall. Uh, I've done uh, a hushes negotiation. I've done forensic accounting, behavioral science research, all kinds of stuff. Long story short was uh, I did everything and more that I that I could have when I was in the bureau. I absolutely loved my time there. Uh, it was my dream job. And then I, in the middle of that, I moved to Houston, Texas. I opened up a wrestling academy. And in doing so, I realized very quickly that the gap uh, is not a physical gap. The gap in performance is 100% mental. I was, uh, one year, I had 13 kids in the state finals and nine should have won, but unfortunately only four did. Nine hundred percent on paper should have won, like right. hands down, wasn't even a question. But only four did. Five just kind of crapped the bed, and I'm sitting there scratching my head. I'm like, oh, I had a psychology, criminology background. Like I, I, I do science research. Like, what am I missing? Like, I feel like I gave them the right advice. And the moral of the story was, I gave them the right advice, but they couldn't receive it, and it didn't translate. So, in the moment that mattered the most, that I prepared them for all year, five kids were told what to do, were trained the right way and just didn't show up. So I sought out resources for myself and for my athletes to, uh, to, to bridge that gap. And that's when I discovered a company at the time called Wrestling Mindset. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember in the Ben Asprin, Joe Rogan uh, podcast that they did a while back, Ben, uh, Joe talked about how, you know, there's no real rock solid process to manage your mind. Everyone teaches you how to wrestle. Everyone teaches you how to kickbox, but no one really teaches you how to manage your mind. And Ben starts talking about our company. This was like four years ago. Mm-hmm. So from there, now fast forward to, I use them for my club. I saw drastic success. I started working for them part-time while I was still in the bureau. I realized I was very passionate and I was very good at it. And then fast forward two years later, I left the FBI to work for them full-time as a director in the company. And now I'm the main guy that travels and speaks around the country. And people most know me because I work with all most of the, our top tier athletes. So all of our right. guys and girls in the UFC, Bellator, the top 10 kids in the country. I get the opportunity to work with really, really great athletes across not just wrestling and MMA, but all sports. So, you know, fast forward now today, I've been I've been out of the bureau for about five years now. And that's my full-time job is mental performance in sports. Uh, and it's such a rewarding job, even as much, if not more so than as a wrestling coach, because I could teach you technique and casually 
try to teach you life lessons all day, but intentionally teaching mental performance has an immediate translation at every other stage in their life. So yeah, that's, that's how we ended up here today. Excellent. Thank you. We have a lot to go on and a lot to get to now. Um, quickly, something that hit me, I want to say about five years ago, uh, I was at ESPNU and I started paying more attention to quote unquote coach speak, right? Noticing that these football coaches all tend to say the same mm-hmm. phrases, the same yes. thing. And it's easy as a fan to just tune that stuff out. Um, but then when you start asking questions, of, okay, why? If Nick Saban is saying the same thing yes. as every other coach, then why do they win all the time? And why is right. Clemson gone next level? Really, Dabo Ooh. Sweeney at Clemson was kind of my – I was just like, Clemson was known as this program that didn't win the big games. And then Dabo right. gets in charge, and then his he's saying his coach speak with a little more – I have goosebumps, by the way, because I can answer that question. <laughs> yeah, there so we go. Going. So, But anyways, to people listening and to people watching right now, how can you help them? Because I think somebody sees you maybe, and you're like a wrestling mindset coach for top tier athletes. And they might be like, well, I'm not a top tier athlete. I'm a weekend warrior and I'm an accountant or I'm a lawyer or I'm a school teacher or whatever, but they can be helped by all of this stuff. For sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, everyone's going to say that mindset is 90% of the game, right? Like every sport is 90% physical life. is. I'm sorry. Every sport is 90% mental. Life is 90% mental mindset ultimately determines our success. Right. So for, uh, as far as like how I, and we can help. So I'm one of 60 coaches in the company. I'm just one of the ones that are just very well known across the community. So there's 60, there's 60 of us, about 4,000 clients a year. And that includes business and personal performance as well. So whether you're an athlete top tier, or whether you're in, in business, whatever the case may be intentionally teaching mental performance skills, like confidence, like how to relax under pressure, like motivation, aggressiveness, uh, even self-mastery, being able to intentionally teach it, not casually learn it. So here's the, here's the crazy thing. When we want to get better at MMA, we want to get better at jiu-jitsu, we want to get better at, at lacrosse, what do we do? We physically train skills and drills. We want to get faster, we run. We want to get uh, stronger, we lift. When you want to get a stronger mindset, you read a book or you listen to a podcast, right? Right. Like, those don't translate. And that's why there's such a gap between how good somebody is versus how they actually compete is because there's a massive gap in the way that we train it. And I would say 90% of athletes and business people or people in general that are struggling, it's 90% of it uh, has to do with here, not your resources and not your skills. So you learn how to maximize yourself, you know, we, you know, using sports as the vehicle or or your business has the vehicle, you learn how to maximize yourself in every other area of life. So a combination of, you know, systematic curriculum and then personal mentorship from a coach. So how do you focus on the conscious learning of it? Because up until recently, I have been the listen to a podcast, read a book guy, right? And I feel like it can bring you a long way for sure. Um, just kind of in general day-to-day life. How do you go next level? For sure. And most of us uh, enjoy doing those things and partake in those activities. You, you do learn. You retain 5% of what you hear, 30% of what you see, right? So 5% of podcasts, 30%. If you're watching it on the screen, 30%. Mm-hmm. You read a book, 30%. But 75% of what you do. So the reason that we work with so many different athletes 
and with sustainable, consistent success with crazy results is because uh, it's a combination of sports specific or subject specific mindset training worksheets and mentorship. A lot of the times when you get like a life coach, you're just getting paid. You're just paying somebody to give you advice. And maybe they got a weekend certification, um, you know, from someone, someone else's mastery program. And, and that's all well and good, right? You know, particularly in, in our company, everybody's a former athlete. They get, tra- they get trained in, in our process. Bottom line, like how do we intentionally train it? Pen to paper, right? Giving them tools, not just talking about it. I can't talk to you about passing guard. You have to practice passing guard. Right. Right. So I can't talk to you about confidence. And so, but Mike, why, why, why did, uh, this wouldn't have been such, let me rephrase 20 years ago, our business wouldn't have been quite as successful because everyone was a lot tougher. Mm-hmm. Right. We look at this generation is like, why is this becoming such a big thing now? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of reasons to explain, but the bottom line is the casual person, like anybody life was tough and sports were tougher. So now life is so, now life is softer and sports are soft, right? So back in the day, like if you threw your kid in a sport, your life was already hard and now sports were harder. So you learned all these life lessons because you were already learning from life. Well, life is easy and now sports are softer. So we're not casually learning things. They must be intentionally taught. What do you mean about, I, I kind of get the gist of it, but can you give practical examples of why it was tougher back in the day and why it's sure. soft now and easier? Yes, for sure. So think about this. If you wanted to go hang out with your friend, you called him on a rotary phone, you spoke to an adult. If he wasn't home, you had to go ride your bike to his house and then knock on his door. And if he wasn't home, then you rode your bike to all these other people. If you wanted to go on the internet, right? You had to go to the library. You had to like rent a computer and then you had to pay for it. And it took six hours to load three web pages, right? So just like a, we didn't have instant gratification and things in general were just more difficult to obtain. So while technology is a great benefit, it's also a detractor to just development. Because mm-hmm. if I want to get in touch with you and hang out, I text you instant. Right. Right. And now if my, you know, if you have an iPhone, I have an iPhone. If that message goes green, kids are like, mom, what, what's wrong with the Wi-Fi? Fix the Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? It's true. Yeah. So just basic coping skills didn't get developed in life that were then not sharpened through sports. So it's not necessarily everyone, you know, it's not the generation's fault, but life got softer and then parents got softer and teachers got softer and coaches got softer. So college coaches are saying that right now they're inheriting middle school level coping mechanisms in most of their athletes. And that's coming from wrestling coaches, the toughest of the tough in high school sports. Yeah. That's incredible. Do you think it's cyclical? Do you think it comes back around or are we on a one-way track? I don't know. What does it look like in the government these days? Doesn't look very good, right? (laughs) Right. So like, I'm I'm not going to get into politics. I think what happens is that, is it possible to turn it around? Sure. Is it possible to turn around a lot of things? For sure. It would need a drastic change in the way this country thinks in order to change the way that we feel. So that's mindset Mm one-on-one. Everyone wants to win more right? And they focus on how they compete, right? But the way that you think influences the way that you feel. The way that you feel influences the way that you compete. The way that you compete influences whether or not you win or lose. So if you want to change your outcomes in life, period, we need to take a step back and change the way we think and feel about a lot of things. So moral of the story, I think, to be honest, I think the only way that outside of mindset training and mindfulness being a course 
in elementary school, junior high, high school, and college, the only way that we graduate from this is if we go through very tough times. What is it like? Tough times make strong men, strong men make good times. And then that's the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. To go through um, World War II type of real tough stuff. I think instead of going through that, let's just intentionally teach mindfulness as a subject in school. And let's bank on the kids by by the kids that are in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, when they're getting into college, they're a lot better prepared because, I mean, there's a reason there's two fighters this week. One is the co-main event for the UFC. And then the other one is having her pro debut for PFL. Who's also on the, who's number one flow grappling card. Mm -hmm. I got calls, you know, on a a short term for, uh, you know, to work with these athletes and in a matter of a couple days time, they're like, Oh my gosh, I feel so different. And it's not some magic, like hypnosis type of thing. It's right. when you change the way that you think, you will change the way that you feel. So for yes. example, let's take athletes. If I think I have to win, I feel like I can't make a mistake. So I compete cautious and hesitant to not lose. And I don't perform to my potential. If I think I'm excited to compete, go listen to Mark Madsen's interviews from today. If I think I'm excited to compete, okay, then I feel like all I have to do is focus on giving a full effort and being aggressive. I've surrendered whether or not I win or or, whether I won or lost. I'm just excited that I get to compete in the sport that I love. So excitement produces dopamine, right? Obligation. So opportunity produces dopamine. Um, Obligation produces cortisol. That's it's all comes back to brain chemistry. Yeah. Before we hang up, we have to talk about, Alabama Clemson, and we have to talk about Penn State wrestling. So whenever you're ready, you let me know. Okay. All right. Um, I want to get real quick. I just have a thought on what you just said. Isn't it funny? Because I think if we started teaching mindfulness in schools, which I I agree, I think is a fantastic idea. I think a lot of people would view that as getting softer. Don't you think? Uh, People kind of think it's people, people, I think almost view it as soft in a certain way. Yeah. So I think, um, I think the way that it, it goes at like a positivity, I think is soft. Positivity is you got a fighter. He's zero and four. It's okay, buddy. Keep working hard. We'll figure it out. Right. Negativity is zero and four, man. You should probably like go find another job. Like this isn't for you. It's about being positive and productive. Like, Hey man, what have we like learned from these experiences, these fights? How do we fix it? Like you're talented. What do we need to do to change this? Like, let's be productive. So instead of worrying about like, I, I say all the time, thoughts are just things. They're not good or bad. It's like, what do I learn? How do I grow? Like, how do I, what's the most productive way to handle it? So my point is when it comes out of like, as being positivity training, like, let's all be happy. Let's all get along. Like, you know, kumbaya type stuff for sure. Po- poorly received. What mindset training is not, it's not um, counseling and it's not motivational speaking. I love to hear motivational speakers. Everyone wants to be the lion until they want to hunt and nobody wants to hunt. That sounds great, but how do I hunt, coach? Like, so how, how do I hunt, right? So instead of putting it under the, the blanket of motivation, I think that we understand that we're intentionally teaching mental performance skills. Um, and that's why I think for the last 15 years, we've shifted from either you're a top tier athlete and you're seeking this out, otherwise you've got problems or something wrong with you to seek this out versus like I work with Matt Brown. That guy's pretty damn tough. Right. Mm-hmm. Most most knockouts tied in the UFC history. He, that dude doesn't uh, doesn't have problems. He's not sick. He just wants to get better. He wants to enjoy, you know, the process of where he's at in his career. Right. So I say that all to say 
is that when it's prefaced with like, this is teaching resiliency training, like this is teaching coping skills. This is teaching mental, uh, 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 mental performance. I think it's a lot different than mindfulness. I think mindfulness sounds kind of corny. And I say it to say that it's just a lot easier to digest when I say it that way. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. So do you know who Brene Brown is? I've heard the name. I have not read her book yet. Or her books. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend you read the book. So there's lots of great books from her. Daring Greatly and Dare to Lead is like the leadership one. Yeah. Yeah. I think like you definitely, you would would enjoy either one of those. So she talked about how, you know, 30 years ago, it was all about skills, like how skilled you were, whether if it was in sports, how fast you were, how technical you were, how strong you were. That grew then over the last 15, 20 years, it's grown to like everyone was focused on physical skills forever and toughness. Now it's grown to like where mindset is the sexiest thing. And everyone's talking about mindset, mindset, mindset. We're not really doing anything to address it, but mindset's where everyone wants to talk about. Well, what she says is that like the next stage here is talking about um, essentially way I translate it into my words, we're learning how to weaponize heart. So we learn how to weaponize physical skills first. So the strongest, the fastest, and the toughest athletes were the ones that won. Think of early days UFC. Mm-hmm. Mark Coleman to a T, right? Love you, Mark. So, just, just the biggest, toughest dudes. The biggest, toughest dudes. The baddest, yeah. toughest dudes. Yeah. Now, it's, you know, psychology is a huge part of that, okay? The next part is going to be weaponizing heart, which in my opinion is gratitude and vulnerability. Showing up, even though you know you're going to fail, and opportunity versus obligation. So like the gratitude, I'm thankful for the opportunity to compete, thankful for the opportunity to struggle, just not just being thankful, but being opportunity oriented. That's what I feel like is the next 20 years of sports and the next 20 years of performance. Yeah. So you hear like Tony Robbins and those guys talk about it, but that's how the performance industry, or at least the elite, the people working with or getting the most results we're going from systematic performance, right? You know, us, we're sports specific to where I dive in a lot on the gratitude and the vulnerability side. Right. So on the um, the opportunity versus obligation, because you commented on a post that I made, I think two yes. weeks ago, where I my, the message of my post was find out what you must have and get rid of what you want because you can want this and want this. The, the wants can pile up, but the must, there's only a few. And I, I, I appreciate your comment because you kind of chimed in with the obligation versus opportunity from an athlete perspective. So I'll let you explain that because that seems sure. to be kind of a, a lightning rod for you right now. From my perspective, I was just like, don't want to this, 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 this. I knew like, exactly I what you were saying for sure. Get better at this. And these will get blocked out if you must have this 100%. or, or you'll get it as a, you'll get the bigger house. If you must be a top quality lawyer or yes. athlete or what, yes. you know, don't just want all of this stuff. Go, go get the, the few things that will make you be happy. But the opportunity versus obligation is it kind of a different frame and perspective of it that I think that you work with UFC athletes quite a bit with. And I'll let you explain that. For sure. I, there, there's always a good, better, best story, right? So like uh good uh, I don't necessarily know what's good. You're on the better side of how to look at it. What you're saying is the improvement from how probably society looks at it. The best way to look at things is I get to do this, right? So let's yeah. take let's take fighting. Like you get to fight. You don't have to fight. You don't have to fight, right? You get to fight, right? So you get to experience the 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 the, the festivities of fight week. You don't have to make weight and do media. So 
uh, Jen Frey was a great example. And uh, I don't know if it was when you called her fight, her first win in the UFC. I called right? each of her last two. Yeah. Okay. Last, yeah. So if you remember when DC interviewed her um, and, you know, I never ask athletes to shout me out. So when they, when they do, and I, I appreciate it because it means that our work is meaningful. Right. Yeah. So what she, what I took away from what she said, she's like, I was just a lot more happy to be here. I was excited to do what I had to do this week. I was excited for fight week versus things that she shared, you know, previous us working together was that she was just really just burdened to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh my gosh, I got to do all this meat. Like she's not a, she's not a talkative person. She doesn't want to do media. Like cutting weight sucks. Right. But like, I get to be here. I, I waited my whole life to be in the UFC. Like, why would I, why would I feel obligated to make weight when it's an opportunity to fight and advance my career? You could always see the glasses half full or half empty. Right. And that's where that's positivity coming in. Right. Yes. Versus right. like the most productive way is I get to do this, which includes adversity as well. So let's, let, let's talk winning. I have to win versus I I'm excited to compete. Right. When you're excited to compete, you're not nervous. You can't be nervous and excited at the same time. You could be anxious and have energy like the night before Christmas and you can't wait to open your gifts. You're anxious. You're not nervous. Right. You're like, oh, I can't wait for tomorrow. You can be excited or you can feel like I have to win. I think I have to win because I feel like if I don't, I'm either going to get cut or get closer to being cut. So I make sure I can't make a mistake or I'm going to go out too hard and try too much versus like unburden yourself. Right. When you're unburdened, you're free to do anything. So don't burden yourself with an obligation to win because you're, you're, you're cage side. You know that there are plenty of times that someone that didn't get their hand raised is the one that won the fight. Mm-hmm. Right? We all see that. So yeah. I make it very clear to fighters like surrender the outcome right now because you could fight the best fight of your career and the judges don't see it that way for whatever reason you want to believe. We've seen it all the time. So you have zero control over how much over whether or not the judges raise your hand. Okay. I'm not telling you to be overly aggressive and look for a finish, just focus on giving a full effort, being excited to be there effort attitude and be there 15 seconds at a time. Don't try to win 15 minute fights. Don't try to win five minute rounds. Let's rinse and repeat for 15 seconds, but I'm excited to be here. Excited produces dopamine. I'm Lucy. I'm goosey. I look like Kamara walking out, you know, dancing. I look like Izzy walking out, um, you know, doing his choreo- choreography. Like yeah. I look like John Jones, like I'm absorbing the crowd. There's a very big difference between those guys and how you saw Derek Lewis come out. Right. He normally is always like laugh and joke and the funny man. And if you listen to his interviews, man, I feel all the pressure I got to put on for my city. He's super serious. First, first round, he's throwing head kicks. Mm-hmm. Derek Lewis is throwing head kicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand a few to throw them off. My point is that like, I think that that's a, that's an example of when he feels obligated to win for a city. He's the biggest athlete in Houston. And you could tell he felt pressure to win instead of I'm excited to show out for my city. Right. I have to win. I'm excited to be here. What do you find the advantage of the 15 seconds at a time? Cause I remember Jen saying that in her interviews that week as well. Yes. So 15 seconds at a time. And, th- and uh, does this apply to all sports? This applies to life. Yeah. Period. Like it's, it's having a what's next mentality. It's I can't control what just happened. I don't know what might happen, but I'm, I'm in control of what happens next, what I do next. So it allows you to be present. How many times have we been told, right? Um, be in the moment, like be where your feet are, like 
that's great. That's the advice that you want to give, but that's not how they think. They're focused on the fact that they lost last round. And I don't know, I just got out grappled for five minutes. What am I going to do the next round versus like, Hey man, let's, let's win the first exchange. Then let's win the next exchange. Then, okay, we're against the cage. Let me, let me pressure. Okay. So it allows you to be in the moment and allows mm-hmm. you to manage moments, not matches. So when your right. mind is available, like you can focus 15 seconds at a time. You can give a full effort, 15 seconds and reset. Okay. Yeah. Did you play sports in high school and college? Yeah. So what was your sport of choice? Uh, hockey and football. Hockey and football. So if your coach said at the end of a hard practice, hey, man, we got 30, we got 30 suicides. Oh, we got 30 sprints. Right. Go, wow. That's a lot. Right. Hope well, so 15 minutes in a cage. You know what's not exhausting to think about? Hey, man, we got a bunch of 15 second sprints. You guys ready to go? Friend in the right. fight game. You don't know how many. You just know it's 15 seconds at a time. Speaking with him at length yeah. there. And so point is, it allows you to be present. When you're in the moment, you can perform Maybe your best. When you have his next fight, like, or we'll see where before, goes, after, but, uh, what might happen, what really happened. Enjoy talking you're just focused format. right here. Again, these fighters, man, I always love connecting with them and just the way of the world. Losers focus on winners. Winners focus on winning. So it's less about the words and it's more about he's focused on what's directly in front just of lose that right so, yeah yeah just oh, I, see, I see it i see him looking over okay got it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so i don't know if you ever noticed that so this is like one of the on some of the fighters that you really like to that watch right there he's worried about michael phelps the life he's caught up on something he can't control life. which is somebody else. as always yeah check out the that guy beat michael phelps in the world championships and then obsessed over beating him for the next year for the olympics trying to get up and instead of worrying about just swimming hard he was worried about where michael phelps is you know so he's not in the moment whether he's not focused on himself full interview so in the moment we could be great whether it's a fight so even if you had a good 15 seconds if really you get a little bit busy if you're winning okay let's uh, win the next 15 you're losing whatever win the next 15 you guys as fans yeah. of this show excellent and, uh, can we go back to your wrestling career because sure. um so, uh, anyways, if you didn't find you this kind of um gap day, as you say month, of the, uh, the, the mentality through, side of things how were you um, as a wrestler and as an athlete, kind of coming up and, and able to achieve, like when you look back on that, we'll how do you define, describe your. Yeah, I think that athlete. that was, this was definitely this and my gas tank were my two best moves, right? Like, you know, you, you to, to, to be at the division one level or to be successful in high school, like you have to be, you have to be good technically too. And, and I was, but this was definitely my weapon. Um, and I credit that to like the coaches that I had growing up, the way that my parents raised me, but only a handful of times can I ever remember underperforming. One of them was one of the biggest matches of my life. I won, but I won one nothing instead of I could have killed the kid. Mm-hmm. I'm so afraid of losing my undefeated season as a senior in my last match senior year that I won one nothing instead of beating the guy, right? I wasn't focused on scoring points. I was focused on not getting scored on. So Where are I you from? Really, what state? Me, Long Island. Oh, so New York. New York. So New York State Championships, you were undefeated as a senior. So actually, so coming into coming, it was the last competition. I got a concussion like the week of the state championships immediately. So immediately following that one event, I got a concussion. And so I was not able to compete my senior year, but I was Uh, undefeated going into the state championships. Okay. Right. So, you know, and again, like uh, in that moment, I was so worried about what that guy might do. What if I lose? And I was so focused on all these other things that were outside of my control instead of just focusing on what I could control, which was scoring points. I beat this kid before. Like, let me just get in his face. Mm -hmm. So mindset was, you know, for most of us was about toughness back in the day. But to be honest, I was just passionate about the psychology behind it. So I studied about it. I like had a lot of 
Like there was a lot of mindset behind my technique. The way that I wrestled was a strategy more so than just like technical brute force. Like I had very strategic plans on the way that I, the way that I approached my wrestling. And I was always focused on making kids quit, not on winning matches. If Mm -hmm. I made kids quit, if I broke kids and I tried to score points, I would tech or pin them in the process. And if I didn't, then it's a good match. No one taught me that, but my coach was like, listen, I don't care if you win or lose. I don't, you better be the toughest kid out there and you better try to make that kid quit. So that's what I did. And that was tremendously helpful for me. And that's very different now for numerous reasons in, in sports, in high school, college, even in youth Yeah. uh, nowadays. Yeah. So at what point did you think you were a, a great candidate to teach the mental aspect to mm-hmm. athletes? And, and yeah. why did you think that? Sure. So it was always a strength of mine. I, you know, I beat people I wasn't supposed to beat. You know, I, 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 I never, I, I loved pressure. Pressure was a privilege to me. It was never like, uh, it never bothered me with the exception of very, very few times that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I usually like the spot. Like I like those things. Right. So it was an advantage for me. Um, and as I started coaching, I was always the guy that whether it was locally here in Houston or when I was in um, like in the DC area coaching, helping out at local programs, like I was the guy that like would get the best out of kids. Like I was really good at getting the best. I gave really great advice. Like my strategy was great. And again, I, what I realized what I was missing was I gave great advice. I said all the right things, but there wasn't a system or a process behind it. And, you know, that's ultimately where there's a lot of great coaches I work with. I work with two coaches that have won national coach of the year for their sport in high school, but they still utilize us because they realize that, you know, there's no time where you can stop getting better. Moral of the story is that like good coaches look for systems. Alabama wins because they have systems. Clemson, like I said, we'll talk later about Clemson, yeah. Alabama, these successful teams win because their system of fundraising recruit, it's their systems. So I, I just, I realized that psychology was always something I was passionate about. I wanted to be a sports psychologist, but it wasn't really it was a very niche market back in the day. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to be a psychologist. I was like, ah, I don't want to be a psychologist. Like there's, there's gotta be something else. So I'll, I'll, I'll just coach. And then mental performance, you know, the, the teaching those skills, performance-based skills, not counseling. That's what sports psychs do. It's right. counseling with some tools. And essentially I would always do really good at getting kids, uh, getting the potential out of kids, but I couldn't do it consistently because I can't control them. They knew everything that they needed to do. They were so well-prepared mentally, physically, they were so well-prepared, but they didn't show up. I can't control them. They lack the tools to do the job. They have to learn those tools. So somebody, I want to make this very clear. If somebody calls you a sports psychologist, that's inaccurate. Inaccurate. You're not a sports psychologist. Nope. Because you're a coach. Mental performance, coach. mental performance. Okay. Cause a lot of, you know, that's, that's one in the same sport I'm working because we'll hear UFC fighters all the time. Tell us, you know, in fighter meetings or whatever, Oh, I've been working with a sports psychologist. Uh, I've been doing this, which would be different from I'm working with a mental coach, but, Wrestling st- but, MMA but specific to the, mindset training, right. To the, um, uneducated person of which I am not anymore because we're having this conversation. Uh, I would, I would lump that on the same thing. But you would. you're 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 saying sports psychologist is essentially a counselor, essentially a, a listener, basically. It's exactly, and yeah. and they have good tools. 
Uh, part of what we do is based in sports psychology, right? So the two brothers that came up with the curriculum, um, they were all Ivy League, uh, they were Ivy League wrestlers out of uh, UPenn. One was pursuing his doctorate in sports psychology, had his master's in clinical psych. So like there is like strong psychological undertones in what we do, but Mm -hmm. it's wrestling or lacrosse or baseball specific performance. We're teaching, we're teaching these performance skills, these mental muscles, the yeah. confidence, relax under pressure. We're teaching them in a systematic way, the same way that we learn technique in a systematic way. And so people just use the word sports psych, right? I think yeah, it's easy. they probably don't all work with psychologists, but that's just what they call it. Yeah, right, right. <laughs>